The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, you betcha, yeah. If it's made in Minnesota, who's making it and how? Yeah, you got that right. It's the makers of Minnesota, focusing on the products and services uniquely made in Minnesota, and conversations with the makers, entrepreneurs, and innovators in Minnesota about how they conceived of their products and how they brought them to market. With Stephanie Hansen, it's the makers of Minnesota. Hi, this is Stephanie Hansen, and you are listening to The Makers of Minnesota, where we talk to cool people doing cool things in the state of Minnesota. I am here with Tyler Lorenzen. Uh, you are the president of Purest Foods. And I have to tell you that our friend from Grow North, Lauren, uh, just was like, you have got to talk to these people. They are doing such amazing things. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. Thanks for having us. Yeah, uh, really for being excited here. to be here. So you've been for 30 years trying to get pea protein to be like the ubiquitous thing that we all know and love. Is that correct? It's something like that. You know, you know what they say, overnight success. Uh, I think my dad would have to disagree uh, significantly. <laughs> yeah. And my 12-year-old self can relate that, uh, you know, we took the long road to get to where we're at and we're only getting started. So that's that's the exciting part. With Purist, our company is, is unique. So we have an end-to-end food system that starts with uh, seeds that we design for farmers so they can grow it. We buy what the farmers grow back and then make it into really cool foods. But first we make awesome ingredients across the Midwest. So our whole system is designed here at home and it's uh, really a closed loop model. So we can bring value to all stakeholders throughout the supply chain. Okay. We're going to talk just for a second about protein because that's when we were doing, you know, food trends for 2019, it was all about the plant-based proteins and plant-based proteins are where it's at. For sure. And your plant-based protein is based in peas. That's right. Did your dad like develop this or decide that this was going to be a way to feed the world? <laughs> yeah, crazy concept, right? And and now today, cliche, right? Plant-based proteins are going to feed the world. But back in 1985, when we started, that was the plan. So the business that we execute and operate today was the vision that we had back in the early 80s, and his thought was, listen, the the world's going to need more protein. Yeah. And plants provide all the amino acids that you need to consume in your diet to give those essential amino acids to your body. For the life. Fuel, yep. fuel life, grow cells, all the good things. So why are we feeding plants to animals and not just feeding plants to people? Well, the big problem was is plants didn't taste good. Right. And so can we make foods and ingredients that taste great so people just happen to eat healthier and the, the great thing about protein, it's the macro nutrient that has doesn't have a black eye. And, and I say that kind of tongue in cheek because, you know, fat is back. But 10 years ago, 15 years ago, low fat was all the craze. Yeah, fat you was know, the devil. The carbs are the devil. But protein has this, uh, you know, white cape, for lack of a better word, that just flies and people want more of it uh, because it's good for you. And it's essential to heal your body and uh, grow cells. And it fills you up and creates a sense of satiety, which people really like that. Um, You take this this seed that you manufacture and then you uh, have people plant it and then you buy it back. And what does this pea protein for the listeners, what is it, what can they find it in or how does it end up in their food? Yeah, it's it's definitely the fastest growing uh, protein ingredient that's out there. So many people are probably familiar with soy protein or whey protein or... And whey proteins from animals, from from dairy processing, yep. or byproduct of cheese. Pea protein fits in in similar products like that. 
So you can find it in all your major grocery stores from Whole Foods to Target to Walmart, but you'll find it not just in powder form. It's coming in uh, RTDs, like uh, drinkable beverages. You can find it in non-dairy milks. RTDs, ready to drink. Ready to drink. Sorry about that. And <laughs> for the jargon. So like, uh, for example, with non-dairy milks, think almond milk or cashew milk that, that now, instead of having one gram protein, has 10 grams of protein. There's even companies out there that are making pea milk that's straight from peas. So it's 10 gram protein uh, per serving. You can find that with Ripple Foods and Bolt House. They're both making a pea milk. Bolt House Farms is making a pea yeah, milk. What does it taste like? It tastes great. I mean, that that's the thing that's like changing. Peas? It tastes a lot like uh, like almond milk would taste. Okay. Maybe a little thicker uh, viscosity and texture, but all in all, it tastes very much like almond milk that you would expect. So the way that you're talking, I have this like sense that you're going to like take over the world in just about a minute because there's like nothing that I'm finding that seems negative about pea protein. Is it like hard to grow it? And are you having trouble like finding enough farmland to do it? Can you grow it aquaponically? Yeah, great question. So how many farmers do we work with as a place to start? So we work with over 400 farmers across 14 different states, across the United States. So we grow a lot of peas and, and farmers are looking to grow peas. And you may say, well, why are they growing peas? Farmers are looking at ways to add back to their soil. We call it regenerative. So there's sustainability is great, and how can we be how we are? But how can we go to the next step and give back? Uh, peas are a legume, so they're nitrogen fixating. So they take nitrogen from the air and convert it to usable fertilizer for plants. Okay. And peas don't use all the, the nitrogen or fertilizer that they make, so they leave it for the next crop. So oats or corn or whatever is grown after a pea the next year or even in the same season, gets that much more nitrogen, 70 pounds per acre, which reduces their cost of fertilizer for their next crop. So it's this whole system of sustainability that gives back. We call it regenerative. It's a, it's a pretty hot topic. But how can we build build foods of the future that are healthy for people but healthy for planet? And if you can do that, that's food that makes sense, and that's what we're trying to make happen in a bigger way. Take over the world, not so much, but <laughs> eat it uh, properly and, and in a way that uh, is helpful for all. That's that's what we're focused on. Can you take the same pea protein and feed it to animals? You, you definitely can. Uh, so there's a big craze in pet food around non-grain pet foods. Yeah. It's grain-free and non-grain. That's a, a new one for me, but grain-free. Uh, a company called Blue Buffalo has yes. really been tip of the spear on this. And uh, General Mills actually bought them for a lot of money. And you look at, well, why? You know, well, not not all these animals are, are used to eating uh, some of the grains that are found in many pet foods. Well, yeah. so they're switching to legume-based or pea-based because it's Easily digested and works well for the pets. And less allergic, I'm assuming. And that is one of the things. So it's not a major allergen in the U.S. or Canada or really globally, but we don't like to think like that. Proteins are proteins, and people are allergic to proteins in some cases. So we want to be really careful on what we're saying. It's allergen-friendly, meaning it's not labeled as an allergen, but it is a protein, so there could be a potential for an allergic reaction with protein or any protein. So how many people does your company employ right now? We employ just under 200 people. And it's 30-year-old company. I'm assuming it's been like a lightning rod the last like eight years. Yeah, it definitely. That's a, that's well said. It, you know, the tailwinds of the industry supported my, my family's thesis. And 
my job joining the business was to take us into protein ingredient manufacturing and, and build a team to scale the business. This so pe- did you go to like, cause you, so you were 12 when this all started. So did you go to college and know the whole time that you were going to be part of this family business? A cra- crazy question. So I actually went to college knowing that I wanted to play pro football and <laughs> I did that for a little bit. NFL, not for long. Right. Uh, not National Football League. It's it's not not for long. And maybe that's good for you. Not if you're maybe Tom Brady or Drew Brees, yeah. right? But uh, so I did the pro football thing for a bit. And when when I got cut, it was you know what's next, and I didn't know. Can I just ask you for a second yeah. about that? Um, when you have trained and you have been a high school athlete and a college athlete, and then you make it to the NFL, and then you get cut. I can't imagine that feels good. Did you have to like go through a grieving process? <laughs> yeah, you're really hitting these questions right on. So it grieving process wouldn't be the way, way I would describe it. I had to make a clean cut. My dad taught me when I was a kid that sports are finite, and while they're round, give it your all, but someday it'll end. And when it ends, it'll never come back, and you have to move on. And so I, when it ended, I, I knew in my heart that, you know what, this is over. I'm not going to keep trying like I'm done. And it was that that moment I came up with this mantra called make moves or get moved. And I said it every day that I'm going to apply that same energy that I applied to sports to whatever I do next. And it just happened that my dad needed some help. I started working on a project. Next thing I know, the project was uh, my baby. And then now my baby has turned into Purist. And it's it's extremely fun. And the best part is we build a team that can make this founder, this visionary, this entrepreneur's vision a reality right. in a massive way. So that's that's what we're trying to make happen every day. And you you that this describes a little helps me understand you a little bit more because you're a pretty positive. You have like this really big presence and this big energy. And you also seem to know a lot about food and sort of protein and how that works. And as a professional athlete, I'm assuming food was a big part of your coaching experience. That that's absolutely right. When I I played quarterback in college, which I ate very clean, and everyone kind of made fun of me for the, how clean I ate. But then when I went to pro, they moved me to tight end. Okay. And they said, we need you to put on 30 pounds of lean muscle mass, get bigger, faster, uh, be quicker. If you can get better looking, do that too. Like a lot of ass, right? <laughs> and I was like, holy smokes, how am I going to do this? But you're absolutely right. It was thinking about every little thing that goes into your body to maximize output. And then when you take a look at that, and then you go back to regular person life, you know, done with playing pro football, you start really analyzing what is the foods that I want to eat that give me the most energy, that can help me live the longest, that makes me just feel better. And that was one of the biggest things for me was the aches and pains from being a pro football player and playing college football is my knee, you know, surgery on my knee, my neck, whatever it was. And it's how can you fight inflammation and just eat the foods that you're you're supposed to eat and so ultimately, are- you know, be feel better. So are you personally someone that eats mostly a plant-based diet at this point or tell so me it about is your called life. a plant strongitarian and uh <laughs> say it again plant strongitarian never even heard that before. So basically it's a plant forward diet. Okay, um, I'm going to write that one down cuz and I, I moonlight as a sushiitarian when I go to sushi <laughs> restaurants, so just throw that out there. But yes, I eat uh completely plant-based at home and I don't eat meat and all that stuff and eggs and and dairy. The reason being is one I want to live what we're about. But two, understanding, you know, people that are strict vegans or people that don't eat eggs because they're allergic to it or people that don't eat meat or milk or whatever, putting yourself in those shoes, you start recognizing that just the common way of how things are don't line up to how people want to eat. 
So right. our job as purists is let's meet people where they want to be. How can we bring breakfast solutions that make them love breakfast again uh, versus, you know, everyone's just eating omelets or whatever at every uh, Either eggs or soy. Yeah. Exactly. Or so it makes a wheat-filled, it... yucky, fake sausages or whatever it is. So it makes it tough, right? So you have to think about where you're at. Plant Strongitarian, to me, is about how plants can make you strong, how plants can make you proficient and efficient. And it's just a, a positive spin on not taking things out, but giving things, giving something to you for nutrition and, and nourishment. Okay, so you're... I'm going to take this, just give me like today, we are at what, 4.30 here. I want to know like what you ate for breakfast and what you ate for lunch because my, I know it's a myth, but my thinking about a plant-based diet is like, how do you get full? Yeah. Great question. So most people challenge me. They say, how much protein have you had today? Right. And it's always hilarious because the recommended amount is about 50 grams or call it uh, your, whatever your body weight is in, in kgs about half that in a grams of protein. Okay. And that's to just to maintain stable life. If you're an athlete, maybe double that or 50% that. So how do you get your protein? Well, there's protein in literally everything, especially in plants. And what's funny is people are like, well, there's, you know, animals are better source of protein. Well, what did they eat to get all their protein? Plants. Plants. Right. So (laughs) they're taking plants and the protein and amino acids that you have to consume through your diet. Your body makes amino acids. It doesn't make the ones you have to consume. Right. So those are the ones you focus on. So I eat a lot of pea protein, of course. Uh, I, I do a lot of hemp uh, hearts. Uh, sunflower seeds are a big, big thing that I work with. And then uh, chia, quinoa, all of those things uh, in every meal you can imagine. So I'm making bowls and eating protein shakes and having, you know, you know chia yogurt that my girlfriend makes. Like, you name it, the, I, I'm eating it. Tons of spinach, tons of greens. And, you know, trying to live a whole food diet, not just eat protein shakes, as a lot of people think uh, is what you do. Yeah, I was. So I was, Okay, so you didn't need a protein shake today. I have had a protein shake. I'm having one right now. Actually. Okay. You uh, this, have one. Does it have pea protein in it? Yes. This is a Koya, a plant-powered nutrition. That's my favorite because it's low sugar. Yeah. Uh, four grams of sugar per serving, 18 grams of protein, pea protein, rice protein. I'm not huge on rice protein, but uh, people like to partner with pea because it's uh, it's complementary amino acid profile. Okay. And you are super fit. You're a big person, so you <laughs> need a certain amount of calories to sustain yourself. Okay. Wow. I'm I'm really I'm very into nutrition. Yeah. I really like where we're going as a country and what we're exploring and that it's finally cracked open a little bit. I'm a cancer survivor, so I'm interested in how not to eat as much meat, but I find it really challenging because, you know, I exercise a lot and I'm always feeling starving if I'm just eating plant-based. So I must not be really doing enough plant-based protein. Well, I think if you're feeling starving, you need to think about what fibers am I eating? Right. So that is where a lot of people miss just a diet in general, not necessarily plant-based, but they're just not eating enough fiber because fiber is great is what for fills you up. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it's wonderful. And then, you know, the whole net carbs and uh, controlling your uh, GI. So, you know, there's no influxes there. Glycemic index. Yeah. Glycemic He's throwing in- out all these buzzwords. <laughs> but it, but it's all real, right? It's like whole nutrition is what it's about. You know, people eliminate carbs. But whole nutrition, carbs are fine. Yeah. You know, it's, it's about a balanced diet. I know that's cliche, but really when you get down to the nitty gritty, that's what it is. And everything in moderation. If you eat meat, that's great. But just eat more plants. Yeah. 
Uh, well, Michael Pollan's famous, uh, eat mostly plants. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, okay, so you're building this company. What is the biggest challenge when you go to work every day? Oh, man. Biggest challenge is, is knowing where we're going and understanding how do we build that today, even though it's impossible to do it all today. There's so many things that we can do. How do we decide of all of those things, what is our most important thing? And how do we focus the team around one aligned goal? Sounds simple because you say it con- in, in a concise way, but it's really difficult because everybody has to be aligned on where we're headed and how we're going to get there. Because sometimes it feels like it's a bit impossible until you do it. And you're like, holy smokes, look what we accomplished this year. Well, and I was looking on your website. So it's, you know, that you have the protein. So you're selling seeds and you're buying product and then using product. Then you have ready to eat fiber, mm-hmm. which is that a, a derivative of the pea protein? Yes. Yeah, so our process, basically every step, there's byproduct or co-product. And we're huge proponents on reducing food waste. It's just silly that if you're doing all of this work from a pea, which is about 50% starch, 14% fiber or so, and then the rest more or less protein, if you're only doing it for you know the 20 to 25% portion, that's very wasteful. Yeah. And and that's silly. That's organic peas, non-GMO peas. It's all good, good nutrition. We need to capture value out of that. So bring that and make foods from it. And that's a better and smarter food system. Every of the, all of the major, you know, from making cheese to making milk, you name it, they've all gone through the same kind of maturity mm-hmm. where you start learning how to use all of the parts. You know, whey, yep. whey protein used to be spread on fields. Today, it's, you know, a huge huge industry and Nutrition it's a byproduct of cheese right. right and then you have pea starch what do you use pea starch for is it a stabilizer so you can use it as a stabilizer lots of different uses for it so corn starch is probably the most typical starch that people use to cook make baked goods or is corn this is a dumb question but is corn starch literally made of corn it's it's the starch portion of corn oh of the seed okay yep. got so it so corn is mostly starch but there's other things so you take the germ out and the and yeah, the fiber and whatnot. Okay, Same I've never thought peas. about that. Sure. So we look at pea starch as like, one, it's not corn. Mm-hmm. So corn's pretty much tied to GMO. So there's a lot of genetically right. modified corn, which a lot of people don't like. Everything we do with peas is non-GMO. And our company is kind of built on on that because we, we think consumers deserve a choice. And if we can provide it, then why not? So cool thing about pea starch is all of the, these things nutritionally is fine. You know, it's effectively starch. But- what it does to the soil, its environmental impact, how it impacts climate change, water quality, all of the things, the power of the pea is all the more reasons why we should use starch in our foods because it's just better for the world. That's really how we look at it on why pea starch. And I think I asked you, and then we got sidetracked, um, do you have to have like a farm with dirt to grow this or can you grow it hydroponically or aquaponically? Yeah, great question. You Technically, you could grow it hydroponically or aquaponically, but you never would. Uh, peas are really great row crop, and they there's a soil health crisis going on For in, sure. in the United States, flat out. And peas are a great solution on how do you break up that monoculture a system and add another, a third uh, crop into the soil. So we, at the scale we need them, it's they need to be grown on the soil, but they're helping give back and repurpose and reclaim the life back into our soil. You know, that's it's soil health and gut health 
to me, there's a reason why they're combined. Like we're, we have these issues right now and the soil is basically the gut of the earth. Yeah, that makes total sense to me. And so you can't, um, if you're going to have someone grow your product, what would you like them to cycle peas in with? Yeah, great question. So typically uh, peas are grown on rotation with things that require nitrogen. So wheat, oats, uh, barley, uh, and corn. Okay. And that's typical. Soybeans, you know, sometimes people grow canning crops, other pulses like fava bean lentils, um, things like that. But that's typically what we see. It really depends on where they're growing. Sometimes people are rotating with uh, potatoes, for example, mm-hmm. or even pumpkins. As we look at the um, the world and we look at farming and we look at the environment, is there concerns about, um, you know, being able to make the crop stable for the next hundred years as the climate changes? I, I think that is a critical thought. You know, my dad's vision on this is how do we develop the seeds that can survive in a variety of soils, in a variety of climates, in a variety of conditions. And with water being a factor. And shortage of water, exactly. That's where peas, peas don't like water all that much anyways, so they grow really well. His whole vision was it's not just about growing things in rotation, but how do we start getting value for cover crops? You know, farmers, there's, a lot of times their soil is just empty. And well, could we rethink that and grow peas in different places that they're not typically grown? and grow them as cover crops that we'll pay good money for to make food out of right. versus just plowing them into the soil. So that is that is the methodology. And absolutely, 100-year plan, I love that you asked that because I was challenging my dad the other day. And this company I met with said, we have a 1,000-year plan. I was kind of taken back. Yeah, like, that a thousand seems year. like epic and, planning and they, on they, someone's part. They said, once you think about it that way, it changes everything that you do. And I was like, you know what? You're right. That is amazing. And so it challenged us to start thinking about not only what are we doing for this generation, but our kids' as kids' as kids. Right. Kids. So in your day-to-day, is it selling business to business? You're not trying to convert consumers to pea protein yet, are you? Or is that like a marketing message you're not undertaking? A great question. And I think you'll see us talking more to what we call food eaters uh, this year and into the future. Because we, we think people need to know, one – they need to understand they should be super curious and yep. ask questions like, where did our food come from? How did it get to me? Why does it matter? What's the nutritious purpose of our food? Where is it going? The whole picture. And the more questions that are asked, the more more we challenge the industry. So, guys, how do you feel about your supply chain? And if everything was transparent and available on your cell phone, would you be proud of that? And if the answer is no, let's fix it. And if the answer is yes, let's highlight it. Let's tell the stories of family farms and let's bring value and life back to the food that we eat. And there's a big movement around this. It's not just purists, but we are a B2B company. But we think our obligation is to talk louder and be connected to uh, the food that we're, you know, help producing. And we know that the 20-something generation, they are really interested in where their food is coming from. Real interested Even more so than we have been in the last 15 years, which it's been a really heightened awareness. Yep. Um, And people are going to live longer, right? So we're going to need to feed more people. And it is kind of crazy. I I read somewhere once, and I believe this, um, in the whole GMO debate, you know, Bill Gates has been a big um, uh, founder of helping to understand modification of crops. And his whole point of view is, well, we have to feed the world. Right. Right. 
And I'm just, I'm not sure. Like, I'm not sure if that's the way we need to feed the world, because I think there's going to be other things that are going to be bubbling up that can also satisfy that need. But, you know, even if we, we could feed the world right now, probably, right? But we just don't with the waste and everything else. Um, So I'm really interested in what you're doing. I think it's really cool. Uh, What a fun industry. And I mean, I bet you when you were playing football, you didn't know you were going to end up hucking pea protein. You know, I I had an idea that someday what my dad said would matter, I would be a part of. Are all your siblings in the business too? My sister was uh, running or working for a biomedical device company and a med device company. And I convinced her to come join the business. She's our chief technology officer and she, you know, on pace to be my boss. That's for sure. Sure. She's unreal. But I think you hit on a lot of things, right? GMO feed the world. My stance on it is the biggest fallacy about GMOs is that we need them to feed the world. Right. Now, could they be a tool for people that that choose that? Absolutely. Curious's perspective is there's going to be a handful, there's going to be a large portion of the population that says, hey, we don't want GMOs. So that's one reason. But two is if it's possible to feed the world without GMOs, don't you think we should? And that's what we're trying to double down on and make that a reality, right? Because if we can... Then we take all the what if scenarios out the out out the equation, and that's our positioning. Not because we are anti GMO or anything. We've been able to prove that we can make seeds that work for farmers, foods that taste great through a system that's just non GMO. Right. And why go GMO if we don't have to? How do you stay inspired as an entrepreneur? Like, do you listen to podcasts? Do you read books? What's do you list, watch Forbes, read Forbes magazine? What is your deal? All of those things for sure are part of it, but the biggest inspiration comes from the, the team that we hire. Uh, the more and more we add to our team and watching uh, people within Purist grow and change from when they walked in the door to making, understanding like, whoa, we're making a real difference here. And that type of community, that's what I'm most inspired by and proud of, frankly. It's it's awesome, and it's exciting to work at Purist because of that energy. There's just a level of uh, intensity How around you, going after yeah. this. Yeah. When you're interviewing someone, because uh, uh, good humans are mm-hmm. a real commodity these days, right? Uh, capable employees that are going to help you grow your business. Like, what are you looking for? How do you know they're going to be that person? Yeah, I think this first starts with us, right? We have to make sure our, our vision, our core values, everything that's core to us, is in a good spot where people are aligned with and feel good about making that happen. It's not all about dollars and cents. In the end, we're, we're re- really actually feeding people. Right. And then, so that's step one. Step two is, are their personal value system, their personal beliefs aligned with something like that? And if so, then we're on the same page. Then you get through the tactical stuff on like, you know, what's the scope of work? And is this something that you want to do and you're good at? Because odds are, if that's the case, you're going to like doing it. And it'll come more naturally and be fun. Right. We are unapologetically fun at Purist. But at the same time, we're laser focused on making things happen. And it's uh, hiring is tough. Yeah. But when you make the right hire and you see people flourish, then it's, it's good. awesome. It's All just right. so awesome. Well, it was really nice to talk to you. It is Purist Pea Protein. I'm going to start looking for it now. Can I look for it on in food labels? or? So look for it back of the pack. <laughs> Okay. Um, we're we're more of the intel inside of foods that you probably buy today. Uh, we're working at getting a little bit more credit for some of the work that we've done, and that you'll start seeing that. 
And uh, we'll keep making noise on and pushing the food industry forward. Okay, give me the top three products that you think I would like to consume that have purest pea protein in them. So I can't confirm or deny that they have purest pea protein in them. But a few products that you should definitely try because they're quite good. Uh, one would one for the the nutritional shake folks is Vega One Organic. Okay, it's my favorite. Uh, I prefer the berry or the chocolate. Uh, number two, if you want to try fake meat, uh, have to get the Beyond Meat sausage or the burger, but the sausage will blow your socks off. And then for um, and is it plant based? It's plant based. Okay. Yep. And then on non dairy milks, uh, there's a whole slew of them. Any of them are really quite great. From silk, uh, cashew protein milk is is what people because I had oat milk the other day. It was the worst, and I don't really like milk. <laughs> But I was like, okay, this isn't even like, because I'd like to find something to replace in like a coffee yep. or, and silk is all about the texture of it, right? For sure. Silk has, is about texture. Again, Ripple, uh, Bolt House, uh, Good Karma, which is interesting one. They have flaxseed and they make a milk from flaxseed and then add protein to that. Okay. And they're all non-dairy. So, you know, pick and choose. They're all not, right. I'm going to They're not all these. perfect. But what I will say is your challenges with, uh, you know, non-dairy milk for coffee, people are going after it. And that's where oat kind of got, tried to fit in. And it's, uh, oat milk is interesting. There's a, it's definitely a, a very huge trend right now. Is, yeah. Is my daughter makes milk. it and she's like, mom, just try it. You won't even be able to tell the difference. So I'm like, <laughs> uh, yeah, I can. I do think it's funny though, that your girlfriend is making you chia yogurt. Yeah, she does that. Uh, she actually went plant-based keto this whole month. And plant-based keto. So yeah. high, f- I can't even get my mind around that. So that's high fat. No meat, basically. No meat keto, no eggs. It's all plant-based, but sh- so she's going all plant-based fats instead so of animal So she's fats. doing, yeah, nuts. Tons of nuts. Coconut uh, oil. Coconut oil. She's making all sorts of bowls, like tons of vegetables. Yeah. The, the net carb on a real vegetable is, you know, like. Nothing. Great. Yeah. Exactly. So that's been the focus. And she's made a lot of great dishes. Frankly speaking, I'm not a great chef, so it looks like a lot of work to me. But she's been blogging it, and then she'll roll it out here in a concise package because I told her she has to. Can you share her blog with us? Yeah, it's called. um, Well, I think it's just her Instagram right now. So who's she on Instagram? Her name's uh, A Benny Four, I believe. That's right up my alley. I love that stuff. I don't do Instagram much. I have one, but I never log in, so. That's a great Instagrammer. It's funny. A friend of mine makes granola, and he makes it with chia seeds that he makes gelatinous, right? And then he uses that almost like a starch mm-hmm. to, instead of using a lot of sugar or syrups or those kind of things, he's using the chia seed gelatin to kind of make the clumps. The binding? Yeah. Cool. Um, it is cool. It's it's a really he makes it in the oven. He gave me the recipe the other day. It was really quite good. Chia is amazing, but it does get caught in my teeth. It, it's a killer. <laughs> yes. like, meetings, I'm like, wait a second. You know, <laughs> crush a bowl of oatmeal with chia and hemp seeds, and next thing I know, I look in the mirror, I'm like, no one told me I had seeds chia all everywhere. Over my teeth. Come on, guys. Live and learn. Well, thank you for being here today. Uh, it's really interesting to learn more about purists. I'm sure we'll hear more about you, Tyler. Thanks for being on the show, Stephanie. Thank you.